everybody, welcome back to Endure, the Athlete Story. We are back in 2022 with some new episodes. We've been quiet on here this last month or so, but we're back and we've got some great athletes lined up on the podcast over the coming weeks, so looking forward for you hearing them. Um, first up on today's show, we have Darren Dunn kicking off the new year. Um, Darren is an elite Irish triathlete and he chats this in this show about his comeback he's currently recovering from a broken collarbone which has been a long process to get back in the pool especially and back to full fitness but he's back and he tells us about his plans for the future and how he's not ready to give up quite yet on the triathlon dream so really good episode great chat with Darren he's always really honest and really genuine person so it was a great chat and i hope you enjoy it and if you do enjoy it please share it on leave a review it means a lot cheers enjoy darren dunn welcome back to endure the athlete story thanks for coming on the show how's things yeah, all good. I'm over in Spain, uh, living the life as they say. So no complaints on my end. I uh, I hear it's pretty cold back at home. Any crack back there? Yeah, cold and just wearing a lot of layers so I training. So uh, definitely nice. jealous of you out in the sun, Spain. But um, this is for anyone probably no one's aware because it never made it to the air. But this is Darren's second time <laughs> in the show and. Me being an Egypt, I lost the recording of the first one. So Darren's been very good to come back on and have the chat again. So looking forward to doing it again. Um, so you're in Spain. Um, Rook's still recovering from the broken collarbone or how's that been going? Yeah, so I suppose the first attempt we did at this was back in what, early December. Mm-hmm. And I was only about what five, six weeks ago. And back then I was actually pretty worried about having to get my shoulder kind of I thought I might have to get it rebroken because I broke it back in like the middle of August. And like all the people I talked to said, like, oh, you'll be back swimming in eight weeks. And like nobody said you'd be back swimming well or anything, but you know, I was optimistic I'd be able to do something. And I think it was week six when I managed to hold a cup of tea. So up until Christmas, I was fairly nervous about it, but uh, I just absolutely whacked out all the rehab over Christmas and just got, thankfully, it, it settled itself out. And now I'm, I flew out here on the 7th of January, uh, myself and Eklund O'Reilly, I think he's been on the show, and yeah. been here two weeks today, I think. And well, I think I've, we've done 48 hours over the last two weeks and no complaints out of my shoulder, so... Yeah, I'd, I, I'm pretty happy. It's uh, come around. Sweet. And so are you back the full swimming? I suppose that's what would be giving you the most baller when you're swimming, like. Yeah, I've just, like, had to be a little bit conscious because up until coming out here, like, I, the best I could do is a 2K set with, like, 1,500 metres of that kick. So mm-hmm. I rocked up here, and on the first week, what I was doing was I managed to do most of the sets with Eklund, but instead of trying to go off the same times, like if we were doing a hundred and he was going off one thirty, I'd end up doing like 80 meters and just tumble 10 meters into the last length 
like tumble early mm-hmm. and then that way we could kind of keep each other company but after about three or four days I managed to make it to the wall and go off my own times and this week then we actually did we did a, th- a threshold set and there was another guy another random guy in the lane with us so just to avoid the two of us wrecking in the place uh, I went straight on his feet and mm-hmm. he didn't drop me so it's actually it's come back a lot, a lot quicker than I expected it to so yeah again really happy with it cool and these are just swan bike run eat sleep repeat out there is uh, it how's it feel to just have no distractions full focus and training oh it's it's, uh, it's mental like it's totally shifted my entire attitude towards sport and like I suppose I'll unpack that for a minute but like back home you know you're always working and you're doing this and you're doing that and just seeing the last two weeks like Eakland's been like he did a degree in sports science so he still keeps up to date with some of the literature and mm-hmm. he was telling me all the stuff he's been reading about recovery strategies and like in a nutshell you know sleep is the number one factor in recovery so just being able to like get up a bit later we're swimming at 10 o'clock nine o'clock instead of seven or eight you know mm-hmm. so you get an extra hour in bed in the morning we're going to the pool coming back and then have breakfast and Eakland usually just looks at me and goes right time for bed <laughs> and <laughs> You know, you go get another nap in and then you're out on the bike for two hours, come back, eat another whopper amount of food and then feed up for a little while, do a little stretch and then out running and come back and you can just sit on the couch watching Netflix. And I mean, like I meant what I said at the start, you know, living the dream and it's kind of shifted my mindset to the fact that I no longer think that you can work and do triathlon professionally anymore. I think the standard is just too high. So being here has kind of opened my eyes again to how much better you can train when you've no distractions and mm-hmm. the necessity to set this up at home as best I can. But I have three more weeks here, so I'll, I'll save that thinking for later. <laughs> yeah. And do you really feel the difference of getting that extra sleep, that extra recovery when you're, because obviously you're probably maybe doing a bit more training than normal because you can get that recovery in. Does that just give you an insight on the, how the, full-time pros really do do what they do those big weeks and consistently yeah like i've been trying to emulate what the pros are doing back at home for geez the bones of three or four years now and like the kind of rule of thumb is you know 25 hours a week is pretty much the minimum you need to do to Mm -hmm. be a pro at any distance like you can see the there's athletes now who are just going from sprint distance to olympic to half to full in the same season so it's kind of a minimum of 25 hours a week to be able to keep up and mm. i've been trying to do it at home for i don't know how long and i've just never successfully managed to get any consistency because you end up neglecting things like sleep you miss a meal after a big session and then the next session goes to crap because you're not fueled up or you're just you pick up a niggle and you don't have the time to get on top of it and it's kind of a compounding effect of just the little stressors that always keep you from nailing it Mm -hmm. whereas when you get over here you get rid of all of that and yeah it it just it's given me a lot more belief in the fact that if you can set up set yourself up in a good environment it's totally achievable to do the volume get the consistency and be a pro yeah and is that something you'll kind of strive to to get more more of um in the future have you been well, thinking of ways that obviously the <laughs> determinant factor is money or sponsorship, but 
is there something yeah. like that you think you could do to work that out or even blocks of it like my current plan anyway is i'm here until the middle of february and then back in ireland back to work and i'll probably stay working like normal i work as a lifeguard so mm-hmm. and i do a bit of coaching at the swimming club and the tri club so i'll go home and get cracking with that stuff again up until probably national duathlon champs which are the end of april and then if i can get the money together i'll come back out here for the month of may because domestically the racing calendar doesn't really have anything in may mm-hmm. so if i could get another four or five week block out here to slingshot me into the tri season come i think it kind of kicks off late july or late june mm-hmm. so that's the the rough outline i have in my head anyway like you said kind of do a block go home make some money repeat <laughs> yeah well even that is a i suppose is a good step and something to look forward to that you're not just going back to work for the foreseeable future if you can have that mindset of up and go get another month's training um i suppose getting blocks of that full time and recovery is going to definitely benefit you yeah like there is also the the flip side like it's great for a block but you know it is just me and eklin here so there's only so much of each other we can put up with in a funny like i say that with you know a bit of humor like yeah you got to go home and you know talk to other people who don't know what a triathlon is and keep yeah. yourself sane at the same time so it almost kind of works out as a good balance to go from one to the other and yeah just it also helps just keep it consistent because you can stay enjoying life <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so look, going back down the getting in the triathlon how did this whole journey start with where you're at now uh was, uh, <laughs> a, a decade ago now at this stage i am um, i i used to play an awful lot of soccer and the only skill i had was running around the place because my eyesight's not the best so i could i just didn't see the ball my old foot eye coordination is pretty bad so <laughs> i um i saw an ad in the paper for the tri club were running a, a 5k running race um uh, just up the road from my nan's house so i think it was on every wednesday for five weeks and i went up to the first one you know in a pair of soccer shoes and track suit and i think uh i think i turned 14 the week of the third one and i think i went like 1950 for a 5k and then two weeks later I went like 1840 something and like you know pretty quickly i had a few people being like right, you need to go do triathlon can you mm-hmm. swim and i was like oh i've never swam before like i knew how to swim but i'd never been in a club or anything and yeah pretty much in the space of two weeks i went from dreaming of playing for man united to i'm a triathlete i don't know what a soccer ball is anymore i need a bike <laughs> and um you might remember shane scully uh, his brother gary does a lot of running races up around your way i think mm-hmm. and he was racing national series pretty seriously back then so he kind of took me under his wing and taught me uh, an awful lot about high performance sports from the get-go um just like you know how to train hard how to race and suffer <laughs> and all the way like in a in a fun context which is something i kind of lost for a while after i went to college but i just remember racing all through the junior years and uh the first thing shane said to me back in the day was uh he mentioned the triathlon in ireland tid days he said all right you need to focus on this and get on the irish squad and i know you've had like eklan chris and james have all been on the show they've yeah. all talked about the tid days mm-hmm. and i think they all kind of spoke about how they think that's 
a little bit of what's lacking in Ireland at the minute. Like there's none of that kind of group cohesion yeah. with junior stuff. But I've kind of been thinking on it lately. And like for me, coming from a, a pretty weak swim background, I missed the squad for like two attempts, maybe three, which, you know, I, I was close, but I didn't get any, any email off the Irish squad. So yeah. I just remember my whole attitude was, it was pretty simple because I knew all of the guys were still turning up to all the races. So I just turned up to every race I could. And like, it just ended up being all of us racing each other hard as much as we could. And that kind of, that was a load of fun. Like it's just being in a battle. I know if you ever watch any of Lionel Sanders YouTube and he's always going on about, you know, putting yourself out there and sticking yourself in the gutter and, mm -hmm. Like we were doing that the whole time. I have so many memories. Just me and Eklund have been chatting about it on the bike here a bit about like old races back in the day where you're just like running as hard as you can just to try and beat the fella beside you. And I just kind of got addicted to that and snowballed from there and I've been been at it ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned there about like Shane Scully teaching you about like suffering and that's what it started texting again mentioned there just racing the person beside you and wanting to beat them so bad did you just did you feel like you had that in you or did you have to learn that more and yeah, i think I, I actually i had it and then i lost it mm. <laughs> um like i had it but i took it to an extreme and i, I kind of just i drove myself a bit insane with it almost and like i left myself a bit helpless in some sense like when I got injured say in college the only thing I actually had attached to my personality was triathlon and then I got injured and I was like oh crap <laughs> you know so I kind of lost my edge around that time and I've kind of gone a 180 again and I think I found it I definitely know I found it again but I've just I had it naturally and then overthought it to my detriment and now yeah. I'm I chilled out and started to like the sport again. And I think I've got that edge back and it definitely takes a lot of cultivating. Like you have to have a, a genuine reason. Like one of my sponsors, Connecticut has a, a slogan and it's like, know your why. And it's three simple words, but I remember when I first saw it and I tend to overthink a lot anyway, but I saw the words and I was like, I don't know what my why is. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, I've just recently kind of found it being back here on camp, back in the that kind of mindset again. But yeah, once you have a once I have a bit of intent, I'm always up for a bit of suffering. <laughs> yeah. And you, you mentioned that you're enjoying the sport again, enjoying training. Was there a point where you just didn't enjoy it at all? Or was oh. that <laughs> there was a, a period <laughs> and I, that went on, I'd say for Oh, definitely two years. Um, but it was just like a couple of factors, you know. There was a bit of injury involved. I think uh, I got started working with Evan Lynch. I think he's been on the show as well. Yeah, Evan's been on. Like over the last few weeks. And even just something as simple as nutrition, I think I always screwed up. And like I did my undergrad in psychology. So I keep up to date with a couple of trends in that area and there's so much literature coming out now about how like nutrition can affect your mental health and i think 
like I'd go out cycling and I just so naive about it all that I just bonk on every spin and mm-hmm. like I get on get home from bonking and just sit in the couch for two hours brooding about how bad the session went and kind of just again like I said I just drove myself a bit insane mm-hmm. but I've worked an all like I've worked super hard over the last 10-12 months to get on top of all of those things and you know working with Evan and learning how to eat as as straightforward as it sounds it's very difficult to do yeah and working with James who's yeah he's been on the show too and yeah <laughs> like uh, all my pals <laughs> everyone's been on but, yeah but learning to just listen to what they say and take it on board has really brought a lot of like joy back into it because it's like I've I've kind of offset all the mental load that I used to put on myself. So like I leave all the nutrition stuff to Evan. Tra- James just writes the training plans. I just show up and do it and mm-hmm. make sure the box on training peaks is green. And it's just, it, I've simplified it as much as I can. And now all I got to do is show up ready to rock. And yeah, it's brought an awful lot more joy back. And that'd be probably the only thing I, like I know people harp on about making sure you enjoy the day-to-day process but i i really started to hate the day-to-day thing for like a good year so yeah trying to go 180 back on that to find the joy in like analyzing training peaks after a session rather than you know just ignoring it or, mm-hmm. like i spend most of the lockdown without a heart rate monitor uh, i've like <laughs> i have a pink casio watch that i found at the pool about five years ago and all it is is a stopwatch. And that's what I use for most of my sessions until I start working with James. So, mm-hmm. you know, finding the the interest and like, I'm going to call it, I'm back on the healthy obsession side of it where mm-hmm. you're looking for the edge because you want to rather than because it's just what you need to do to go faster. Yeah. Um, and you, but you were still training and racing throughout that period that you felt your heart yeah. wasn't in it? I like I said earlier there that you know the only aspect I had was to my personality was triathlon and yeah I just didn't know how to not do it because I had nothing else to go do and like I kind of like left myself a bit helpless when I got injured and I was like great you know Mm -hmm. do I want to go back and do this one thing when it's the only thing I know how to do anymore and because it was all I did it was all I thought of and then when it's not going well you're not thinking well and Mm -hmm. kind of just shot myself in the foot over and over and over again until it was really James really pulled me out of my rut and just he talks an awful lot of straightforward sense and showed me that you don't have to think so much about everything Mm -hmm. Um, yeah Yeah, because it's it's quite common I suppose that like athletes especially someone in your position that was very talented very good when you were young and you do attach that identity and through injury or change of mindset and that's taken away from me you obviously it's going to affect you as you say you're like what will to do or i don't know how not they just swim bike and run and train with yeah. people like what would what would your advice be on juniors now or even not a junior just someone in that that mindset that that, that some form of sport or something is their identity and it's not working out at the moment. What would your advice be to sort of move through that? Like, it's something I totally underrated as a junior because I bought into that whole, like, I'm going to call it the Brownlee philosophy where you're just a bit cutthroat and you, 
you get shit done, you make it work. And mm-hmm. like I bought into that and negated developing a team around me. And anytime something went wrong, like the only person I accountable for it was me. And then when you sort of lose motivation for that, like I started to crumble. But having people like I have a bunch of friends now who you know, they probably couldn't even tell me what order a triathlon is in, you know, they probably couldn't even tell me what sports they're involved in. Mm -hmm. And developing a network of people, whether it's in sport or outside of it, that you can talk to. And like, like I have people I can ring now when I get injured and say, Oh, I'll go for a walk. And there'll be no mention of sport. And that's what I need whenever it's not going well, or even when it is going well, and you're just like, ah, I need a little, I need some time off here in my head. So for me, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend building a community of good people. And then, like, on top of that, learning to stay grounded. Um, like, I'm a big fan of, like, meditation. I do an awful lot of breathwork stuff. And I don't really like to harp on about it because people find it, I think it all often comes across as very preachy. But, you know, like, even, like, I have a blog where I write, I reckon of anything I think of that I feel mm-hmm. I want to get off my chest. and. I found writing is actually a really nice thing for me to do. So, you know, some people like painting, some people like, like listening to music, whatever it is, have something that's not just this like sport, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. have other aspects that you can go to. Yeah. Some balance. And as you say, a team or other people that, that can, you can talk, talk it out with. And um, you mentioned you have James, James Walton, who's been on the show as your coach, and Evan Lynch, um, who's been on the show as your nutritionist. But is there anyone else in your team, or like, have you got um, like anyone for like massage work or recovery, or you have your sponsors uh, and stuff? It was um, just to link someone else. Greg Bennett's been on your show as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, great. Greg's <laughs> been on the show. He um, he did an episode with um, Kate. Kate Courtney, I think's her name, the the mountain biker. Mm-hmm. She's like winning all the World Cups and and mountain biking. And he said something to her that like hit me as well. And there's something along the lines of you're really young to have built up a really strong team around you. Now, that was in reference to to Kate herself, but mm-hmm. it got me thinking on what I have around me now. And like if you'd have told 16 year old me the support I'd have now, I would have just laughed at you. But like, yeah, so I have James coaching me and like, I'm just super excited to see how he gets on over the next three or four years. Like the guy's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Like I was kind of thinking of going back doing a bit of online coaching. I tried it before, but again, it drove myself a bit insane because all I was doing was looking at training peaks, but having worked with him now and seeing how high his standard is, I don't think I could do online coaching almost because the bar in my own head is so high off of him. So yeah, it's pretty cool having him involved and then um, I've only recently jumped back on board with Evan. Uh, I kind of avoided wholeheartedly working with him to an extent because I just didn't have the motivation to get on top of my nutrition, to be honest. But I don't know, I'm approaching this season with a lot more intent. So I'm, uh, I'm happy to be back working with him. And he actually rang me the first week I started working with him just to, to catch up. And within 30 seconds, I was getting a lecture about whatever I was doing wrong so you know like it it's been a really enjoyable process with those two guys because they're so educated and like 
all I can do is learn from them, but they make it an interesting process, which is something I quite enjoy. I like knowing why I'm doing things and mm-hmm. they're both pretty good at breaking that down. But then aside from that, I have uh, my kid sponsors Velo Revolution. Uh, anybody who follows me on Instagram will see it plastered all over the place. And uh, Jane's actually is getting the new Meta gear, his coaching company gear with Velo this year. No, and so the speed suit we're going to be racing in Eaklands with James as well and Velo. And James came up with a cool little tri-suit design. Uh, I'll wait until it's printed and done up. But I think it's the same speed suit that Brian McChrystal set his Irish record for Ironman in. So mm-hmm. you, know, you can't really, you can't go better than that. Like, and yeah, and then I've Connecticut Sports for nutrition, and that's kind of been an interesting one for me personally because I started with them. I think it was mid 2018 and like I was just I emailed a wholesaler saying you know the usual young athlete thing please give me some free stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> and he whatever way it worked out I ended up with Connecticut but for the first year or two it was just them sending me products and then they seem to have like undergone this entire company makeover almost and it, it's become much more personal like I, I know the whole crew and I'm on Zoom calls with them regularly, just chatting about products, what they're planning on doing, ideas they have, what they want from me. And mm-hmm. it's it's like, you know, they'd reply to stuff on my Instagram story. And it's kind of funny. I used to like never rate social media, but, you know, if I'm not motivated or I'm feeling lazy and then somebody replies to my story and, you know, it gets my ass off the couch an awful lot. Yeah. Um, so that's a they're all going pretty well I have a couple of ideas like as i said it's it's only the last two or three weeks since i've gotten here that i've really it's really opened my eyes to the necessity to set yourself up as best you can so once i get back home i'm going to try and network with one of the local physios and see can i get a couple of massages because i am a bit busted <laughs> so that'd be a, a nice addition to the team if i can work that out um and then there's one of the girls, James actually had her on. Um, she's a sports psychologist and she's actually from the town I'm from. So I haven't talked to her in a year or two, but I'm going to get in touch with her and try work a bit on like race day mental practices. Because like I said, I'm kind of, I'm oriented that way anyway. I did my undergrad in it, but because I overthought everything for so long, I've just avoided thinking of it. But mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm pretty chilled out now. So I'm looking forward to adding those aspects once I'm home and then well, the other the the next key aspect is I'm selling logo space on my tri suit so I'm going to try see can I make anything work in that regard once I'm home too but yeah it's it's been a bit of a a process trying to build a team but yeah I'm going pretty well at the minute yeah you definitely seem like you have about a fire about you for this coming season and is there the last time we spoke, you were kind of unsure in between what you should do in terms of what type of racing your whole career up to this date has been sprint, Olympic, short course, draft, legal, um, racing for Ireland. Um, do you know a bit more about what way your training will go or your racing will go in the future? Yeah. Um, so at the minute, I'm kind of again avoiding thinking too far ahead of myself like yeah in my own head i feel like a bit of a record of 
talking about goals and then screwing them up before they come to fruition. So I'm trying to be a bit more reserved in that regard. But the current plan is, like I said, aim for duathlon national champs um, and then try to get another block in out here if I can. And then the first big tri race is going to be half Ironman national champs. Uh, I think it's tri limits. Um, yeah. It's up your way, I think. Yeah. So I think like regardless of which way it goes after that, historically i've never been very good at getting like a big aerobic base under me i'm pretty good at just i'm naturally pretty good at getting vo2 max fit and like mm-hmm. threshold fit but that kind of zone two zone three stuff like eatland has been hammering me over here with that kind of work so regardless of what happens after that i think it would be the best thing for me to plan my year from now till half ironman national champs as a, a big aerobic kind of six months Mm-hmm. and then it'll be somewhat dependent on how that race goes but like ideally I still think the pinnacle of the sport is ITU and I say that and I think there's a bit of a change in the guard happening now because like Ironman the level has stepped up obviously since a couple of the ITU guys have transitioned up and then the likes of Sam Long and stuff have stepped up their game but I still think there is that window where you can come to the sport a bit later and train your ass off and get good at Ironman, but Mm -hmm. nobody can do it at ITU. Like you either, you come up through the ranks as a junior and you get fast and you can hack it or you can't. There's no turning up at 25 saying, I want to be a triathlete and I'll go do ITU. Like nobody does it because it's, you just, you need the swim, you need the technical skills and you got to be able to run crazy fast. And like even like ideally like personally i want to go back to itu i think it's it's crazy cool as well like draft legal is a bit more entertaining and Mm -hmm. just it's it it does genuinely scare me to to get from where i am to being good at itu again would be it'd be damn hard process and it's one i'd love to do but again it's it's a heavy financial game. Like you're trying to do at least eight races in eight different countries while also trying to train sufficiently. Like there's no point going to the eight races if you're not training in the middle of it. <laughs> so, which like, I remember the last IT race I did, I think it was April, 2019. And I wrote a blog on this. So I have the numbers in my head. Um, I think I averaged like 34 hours a week in work for the, from 12 weeks out to two weeks out. And then, didn't work for the two weeks beforehand, paid for the race on a credit card, did the race on a Saturday, flew home Sunday, and then started final year exams on the Tuesday at nine o'clock. <laughs> and That's... I kind of, without sounding dramatic, I kind of traumatized myself because I picked up a little running injury like the week before and then finished the race. I think I was like 18th. So it was a solid not little day out, but I flew home injured, like, you know, broke as hell, straight into exams and I burnt myself out so badly that I've been reluctant to invest in myself almost for a little while but like I'm geez, I don't know I've spent like half my well <laughs> most of my budget on this camp and buying equipment over the last six weeks so yeah I'm just throwing the brick wall at it again and like I'm happy to be throwing the brick wall at it again like it's nice to have be backing myself to that extent again but mm-hmm. I still don't see how I'm going to be able to fund an ITU career properly. And that's the only catch 
well, not the only catch. There's a couple of catches, but yeah, that's but definitely like, the most awkward one to work around. Knowing what it's like now, this last couple of weeks in Spain, training full time versus what you were doing there, that's ridiculous. Like working 34 weeks, trying to train 20, 25 hours, and then like the pressure and normal stresses of finance, financial things, booking races, logistics, flights, getting there. Like anyone that does triathlon knows like a race morning and the night before is stressful enough, even if you're driving an hour <laughs> to a local race, it's the nerves of the race, the getting your gear ready. So I can't imagine how difficult that was, but do you feel that an ITU career can be done while working like that? Or do you just, Not like, anymore. is there, do you think anyone in the ITU, even European cup standard, is doing that is working and trying to no uh, like I, I assume there is people out there like even like like no names are springing to mind instantly of somebody who's working and still racing I mean mm. Carolyn is kind of popping into my head because I see on her Instagram she's still working as a doctor I don't know what way she's training at the minute but yeah just there's there always seems to be a point where anybody who gets good at ITU or even Ironman like about a year before they actually start getting results, there's something on their Instagram saying, I just quit my job. Yeah. Or I just moved back in with mom and dad and I'm on the couch and all I'm doing is training. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's like they flick a switch and like at some point just bite the bullet and say, right, I'm giving this a go and I'll go for broke. And I guess I feel I'm kind of at that point now because like I'm 24 and you know my car failed the nct literally an hour ago so it's kind of you know you got to decide whether you're just going to make money and financially stop stressing as much or just bite the bullet except you're broke and say ah let's have some fun with it and i'm i'm going to opt for the latter for at least this year and see what way it pans out but i i think the standard is too high now to be able to juggle too many things in the basket yeah Uh, i would guess it's something that although it sounds like the worst option that you just said for you it's like uh, an exciting the more let's go and see what happens because you'd probably i would assume regret it if you didn't give it a shot and uh yeah i would say that's like having, worse than anything yeah i have an eakland here because he's pretty much in the same boat he's just throwing the brick wall at it as well and as he said worst case scenario you get nine months into this year you give it a proper go and then if it doesn't pan out like you go to australia and yeah you, you live a normal life and you do standard like random things is kind of his plan but yeah i like if i didn't go do triathlon now all you're doing is going into the normal things earlier like you end up doing normal things regardless at, yeah, at some yeah. point in life exactly so i so don't the worst case is going to happen is you're gonna have to get a job yeah exactly <laughs> so you may as well just i played that card and that one sucks <laughs> do what you can and uh definitely my advice would be just do what you can to keep pursuing full-time triathlon and and just keep working towards that and hopefully yeah even back home like i've tried to like i've tried to up my own name in nina almost because like you like if you win a national champs, and I've I've yet to win a national senior triathlon title, so take this with a pinch of salt. But 
there's very little national coverage when you do get on national champs podiums. So there's mm. very little, like, I can't just walk up to a, a corporate sponsor and say, oh, you know, I'll get your face in the, on a newspaper because it just doesn't seem to happen. Yeah. So what I've tried to do back home is anytime I do something useful or like win a race or even somebody helps me out, I'll put it in the local newspaper. And even the week before I came over here, I went swimming and running on like the day before. And I two or three people beep at me and salute me out running and two people stop me and say, oh, you know, how are you getting on? What are you doing? And same at the pool. I think I had two separate people stopped me when I was swimming saying, oh, what's the plan for the year? And yeah. every single one of them reiterated what you just said, like, don't go to, don't get a job. Like just, yeah. just keep going. And yeah, it kind of hit me. I was like, you know, everybody's telling me not to get a job. So I think I'll listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's a brilliant opportunity that you're in. Although it might maybe seem like don't or whatever, but I would say the worst that can happen. I wouldn't is... change it for the world. Yeah, like for the first time in a while, it's ex- like a, we went for an open water swim last week, and Eklund started to drop me. <laughs> I was like busting my ass to get back on his feet, and I just looked up and I saw the sun, and I was like, "Oh, there's nowhere else I'd rather be." And yeah, it's taken like two years to get my head on straight to think that way but yeah i'm so happy to actually be here giving it a crack i think that's it as well you have to have like a bit of perspective and gratitude like just to be able to run like i would say i try and be a bit more more than not grateful but like i'd say 80 percent of training is like it's because it's on the plan you get up and you do it and then you for me it's like rush out to work and try and get a session squeeze in the evening or whatever but like sometimes just hit you, you're like, this is class. Like you're, you're able to just get up and go on the bike or get up and you have the health and fitness to swim and you have to be grateful for that. And I think yeah. that's when you and have like that gotten, mindset, it's, it's easier done. Yeah. And just to like, I'm about building my reputation in Nina, but like the triathlon club back home have been amazing to me as in, like it was the worst time and but they did a bunch of fundraising for me last summer to get myself to races and they raised like a thousand quid for me and the money lodged into my account in the morning I crashed and broke up my collarbone so <laughs> it kind of didn't work out too well but even still like they I teach a spinning class and they all support it and yeah. you know they they pay me to write sessions and stuff and just having like again that local community backing me and I'm over here and most of the kudos I get on Strava are from people back in town. And it's it just, it, every time I see it, it does hit me. I'm like, wow, it's kind of funny because I know they're all jealous of me, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. yeah, they're all backing me. So it's, it's kind of a, it's a much, I have much more appreciation for it now than I did when I was younger. Yeah. And again, it's, it's easy to be grateful when you're, when it hits you on those days and you're like, Jesus, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Cause there are days where you're like, this is crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, um, what, so what's training looking like now out there? What's the main focus you mentioned, like a heavy aerobic focus to try and, um, build that base heading under the duathlon champs and half Ironman champs. But what if James, if James, oh. if James permits it, what's like the day to day training, what type of work are, we, are you doing at the moment? Well, I'm pretty transparent about it all. So it's pretty much all on my Strava. And like I've my Facebook page is Darren Dunn Triathlete. And I actually put a screenshot up of my training peaks from last week for anyone who wants to 
really dive into it but it's pretty pretty straightforward we swim monday to friday morning uh, i think like six bikes a week um me and he kind of a little history of running injuries between the two of us so we're only running three times a week for the minute just trying to we're probably we're both keen to build it up to four because neither of us have any niggles for the, for the first time in a while so at the minute yeah five swims six bikes three runs two snc sessions and then the biking has like one threshold set one tempo set one long bike ride and then three like two hour spins swimming is just like a bog standard swimming like three easy swims a bit of speed and a bit of threshold and then running long run easy run and we did three by three minutes tempo this week just to to make sure we could give james a green light and say yeah we want to do a little more here so it's cool it's kind of mental like we've been me and Eklund have been have you watched them um, joe skipper's podcast triathlon mockery at all yeah i've listened to them all they're, they're a good crack <laughs> yeah so Eklund's a big fan I, I hadn't listened to him until i'd come over here but we both love the fact that he just rips the piss out of international triathletes and like you know full yeah. of satire for it all and yeah like we watched um pto put up a video of jan Fredino yesterday or two days ago and it's yeah, like the greatest of all time and I've seen that i watched yeah. it and yeah but i don't know i almost feel now like i can watch it and know he's full of crap and <laughs> i mean that by saying like they talk about how they do like they're they're breaking themselves and they're you know dying and training and doing this and, and like none of that's true and yeah. i think like me and Eklan, i guess we've we've been laughing at the end of every day here because both of us are dying to train more and go harder and do extra and we're both like trying our best to stay calm and mm-hmm. again it's just james talking sense to us being like look there is no one session is never going to make the difference but if you get 35 days of green boxes on training peaks you're sweet mm-hmm. and that's kind of the the whole intent of this camp is because we came over for five weeks there's also the luxury of you have the time here so you can load up and not have to really hit it mm-hmm. but it really is just a case of consistently doing 25 30 hours a week with little hits here and there and if you do that without breaking you're pretty much set i think anyway mm-hmm. so is your in terms of intensity control or using heart rate power as is, is like what you said there is it the case of holding back and not overdoing it so <laughs> coming over here i'm I, I'm a big fan of like the Kenyan philosophy. Uh, I think it was Stephen Delaney told me a story and like an anecdotal story uh, in hindsight. But he was in the Olympic Village in Rio, I think, and he was walking to the walking to breakfast. And he said he walked past the Kenyan runners out running, as in like he was walking faster and they were out for their morning jog. <laughs> and like that's the kind of naturally the way I like to train. You know, I go out running and I just I jog and daydream and chill out and the same on the bike but Eklund's a much stronger aerobic engine than me so his zone two is much more solid zone two so I've kind of been I brought him a little bit back to my level in that regard and he's brought me a little bit up to his so it's really worked out super well between the two of us because we both kept a lid on each other but yeah we've been using power and heart rate and James has a like a sub-maximal test. It's like, I don't know what, I think it's called Lambert's and Lambert. 
but oh, it's yeah. a, a little bike test it's like six minutes at 60 percent heart rate six at 80 and six at 90 and then just spin easy for like an hour and a half after but we've done that for the last two two three weeks and you just check your power and heart rate and make sure you know you're not blowing the lights and just keeping on top of things in that way and like james does seem to be super analytical about like he'd ring me about some numbers and be like oh you you faded in the last two minutes compared to last week and like that's it's a depth i don't pay that much attention to because i know he is but he's also keeping on top of us and making sure we're not doing it stupid <laughs> good stuff and it, what so what sort of like pace as your easy runs what's an easy run for you because you see like it's funny on strava as well people put up and this is mainly mainly runners so we're going to call it runners here but runners were like easy run it's like four minute per k pace it's like that's not an easy run for for you yeah. if you know the person but whatever but so what's your easy run uh so for the last like year like i said i've been doing all my running with that pink casio so i know all my my covid loops at home and they're all like it usually falls about five minute per k like pretty mm-hmm. much five to five oh five is where i always fell at home Mm-hmm. but since getting here it's just Eklund kind of started laughing at me and he was like oh man come on <laughs> so he's been doing his running at like 420s so we've met in the middle and we've been running at like 440s while we're here um, yeah. but that'd be like my heart rate honestly didn't change at all like it just stayed exactly the same even though I went up in pace and yeah. I think that's what I meant by like being solid in zone 2 he's like physiologically it's probably doing nothing different but my legs are doing more yeah. so i'll probably easy runs will stay about the four 440 445 pace um and then see how see how the fitness comes back when i start going faster for the rest of it yeah um, and it's the same in swimming the bike like your easy swim pace what would that be around uh for for me at the minute i'd say like easy stuff is about 125s um like we did a threshold set last week and i think it was 1200s off 130 and this was like my fourth day back swimming since i broke my shoulder really and i think i hit 117s 116s so that was i was pretty impressed with myself to be honest <laughs> so but 125s as like a an aerobic cruise yeah and, and yeah and same the bike your power just when you're out for an easy ride do you look at power do you try and keep a certain power like above a certain power or when it's easy do you just not care about power i wouldn't have bothered until lately but like spending the last two weeks like i bike with Eakland 12 times and he's a better cyclist than i am so it's i think it's been a quite a steep learning curve but one factor is like working with evan and actually no joke like i've literally doubled the fuel intake i'm on like it's my stomach just really wants a day off like I, there's no sarcasm in that it's going from like 20 30 grams of carbs an hour to like 100 and doing that like every day and the difference in how i feel on the bike is mental like i think did like 210 watts for an hour this morning at like a heart rate of 105 or something and and you you're, know, not a, you're not a big guy <laughs> so that's so 
That's yeah, I think like a lot of spinners. Well, as Eklund says, the only thing that actually matters is average speed. So don't yeah. read into it too much. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, so was, so is that on the bike that you've upped your your like carbon takers at throughout the day in general as well? Oh, like across the board. It's like I'd usually have saying I get up in the morning, have a bowl of cereal and head swimming. Whereas now it's get up, have two bowls of cereal, a bagel and jam and go swimming. You have a snack ready for when you get out of the pool, you get back, you have another whopper lunch, go to sleep for an hour, get back up, have another lunch, go out on the bike, consume 60, 80 grams of carbs an hour for however long you're cycling, get back, have some food or have a snack, sit down, go for a run, come back, have dinner, chill out, have a snack. <laughs> like, yeah, it's been a massive learning curve for me in that, like, I can't believe how naive I was, but I also, it was almost like I was intently naive. Like I didn't want to figure it out. I, I didn't care enough to be honest. Whereas now, like, because I know I have other options, like I could stop doing triathlon now and know I have other stuff there. Mm-hmm. I, I was intently choosing to do the sport again. So there's, there's much more, I'm much more interested in doing it right. So yeah, it's, it's been a steep learning curve again. I almost feel like I'm starting from scratch, but they're yeah. pretty cool too. That's good, yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see how uh, this year pans out for you, and hopefully, um, the upcoming races you can smash them. And you've yeah, always it's been given me a lot of hope. Any race you've been in, you've always been up there anyway. But I'd say you're a strong contender for both the duathlon champs and half Ironman champs. I'm I'm hoping so. That's the plan. <laughs> As the the mindset like for you on race day what what's going through your head in race morning is it like kind of what you said earlier like brownlee cutthroat let's do this or are you nervous no that, that was that was younger me but i got very like i tried the whole brownlee thing and it was it was just too aggressive i'm not i'm a very i'm a pacifist at heart like <laughs> So now it's kind of gone to 180. And like I said, I meditate and do a lot of breath work. And I, I often, like when I meditate and I'll visualize what way the race is. And like my biggest motivator is, you know, how how deep can I go? It's kind of yeah. irrelevant what everyone else is doing. So now about, when I get to race about day, yourself. Yeah, like I'm super chilled out because the only person who can influence my race is me. And it, it's just wasted effort thinking of anyone else. Don't get me wrong, like national champs, I know pretty you can be pretty sure for the half Ironman, like I'll get out of the water with Eklund. We're pretty much mm-hmm. level pegging, like and he's gonna do his best to drop me on the bike. So I've been visualizing that in my head, kind of thinking, hmm, how am I gonna react there? And like aggression is the easiest way to react because it works. <laughs> yeah. So there's a but in general, like the more I meditate, I can just switch into the zone like the, the the whole concept of get in the zone or get in your flow state and at this stage i can almost just turn it on and uh, and it's it's really it's kind of a neat mental trick i've developed but i can just shut off any thoughts i don't like and orientate my thoughts where i want them to go and that's just made me very very calm on race day now i think i can just keep my head where i want it to and uh, focus on going fast yeah and when you get to that point in the race where it's like maybe 
I don't know, you, I'm sure you get it in a half Ironman, but like more so in sprint Olympics, like you're on the line. It's like, it's like literally the point of keep going or quit. And it's like make or break. What do you do there for that, for that scenario? I usually throw up. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, like, that's my honest answer. I do. My body usually gives up before my mind. Uh, it's just, I'll end up vomiting or gagging as I'm sprinting. And <laughs> I think I just, I always think I need to get fitter to, to counteract that. But yeah, I'll, as long as like I'm having a good day, obviously, if you're, if you're having a bad day, you know, you're in no mood to, to keep going. You just, argue with yourself i suppose but um like if i'm if i'm at the pointy end of a race and i'm i'm in contention yeah just i come up with little mantras um the last race i did was lockray national series and eakland came second and aaron doherty came third and i dropped them in the water and i knew they'd be chasing me for till i got to the finish line so I biked hard and I took off running and I got like a couple hundred meters into the run and I started to get a really bad stitch. And like before I would have, that would have been a disaster. And I remember I just, I came up with this mantra, pitter patter. <laughs> so every time one foot hit the ground, I would pitter. And then the other foot I would patter. And I woke up the next morning and I like, I actually, I could not sit up in bed. I had to roll myself out of bed because I genuinely feel like there was bruising on the inside of my stomach from the stitch. But I just forgot about it because I distracted myself. So, yeah, I think there's a um, there's a time and place to distract yourself, and then other times, I just start questioning myself. My, like, oh, how how deep can you go? Can you you can go a bit faster than this? And just start challenging yourself, play a little game in it. <laughs> so, yeah. I think uh, it, it's it totally subjective. Like you need to learn to play your own mind games. Mm-hmm. And at that level, so like the likes of as you say, Eklund, Aaron Doherty, Con Doherty all those guys when you're racing is it who wants it more that day who can suffer more that day it's just like you know that you have to go that deep if you want a result yeah i it's one of my physios said it to me he's like oh if you watch the olympics the guys who come first second and third go for a victory lap the guy who comes fourth is thrown up in the corner but physically there's no difference between any of them like it's they all did the exact same thing. It was just who mentally got it right half the mm-hmm. time. And I would be on that side of thought. Like physiologically, I don't think there's a whole lot of a difference. Like surely, sure there is a who rocks up to the start line fittest is obviously yeah. in the best position. But mm-hmm. someone like Khan or Eklund, like I stand on the start line sometimes and I know it's like it's almost a nuisance because you kind of have to die a little to know you're going to beat them. And if you don't, you're not. And yeah, yeah I think a lot of it comes down to who wants to get to the line first. That it's as fundamentally could be as simple as that. Yeah. Cool. We have some um, quick fires down to finish up. Nice. You might remember um, someone from last time, a few <laughs> new ones in there just to keep it fresh, but um, so favorite training session of all time. I do love six by a K on the track. Six by a K at threshold, race pace. Just like best average. Best as you can go, just. And have, just do you remember? <laughs> do you know your quickest splits for that kind of session? Uh, like, I haven't actually done it in a few years because I, I keep getting myself injured. <laughs> but yeah. back like uh, probably 255s to three minutes off like 90 recovery fast 
that was back like 16 probably yeah it was about 18 i'd say last time i actually did that session properly it was a long time ago but yeah cool. i love uh, it least favorite training session it used to be my bike but now that i'm carved up and actually feeling good by the time i get to the end of it like not to be dramatic but there's nothing i don't like i kind of like it all so long as i'm feeling all right <laughs> yeah uh, long tempo actually i'll say that we did we did four by ten minutes tempo here the other day by the time i got to like the end of rep three it was just a bit bored <laughs> um if you could train with and you have to be careful how you answer this one you might hurt england's feelings if you could train with any athlete who would it be and irish athlete i'll say you could any athlete any athlete in the world for a week training camp with them who would you train with i'd say lionel sanders yeah that'd be, uh, that'd like, be fun as long as as long as i'm mentally stable going into the week <laughs> yeah yeah I think like, if I was left to my own devices and I didn't have James and I was doing my own thing, I'd be very similar and somewhat insane on a in similar way to him. <laughs> I'm glad he found um, a coach in Miguel Eden because like, so if you watch some of his YouTube videos from a few years ago, it's like everybody was just changing his mind. Like, oh, I'm going to do this, this. And then you're like, you said something different last week. Yeah, and he's just changing his mind you have all the, the time. But um. There's a few good clips on like, is it that one, the PTO, something about the road to glory or something maybe? And he's like, yeah, it's like a yeah, home video good. and he's like crying on the bike. He's just twist himself out of heart. He's like sobbing. Like, this guy's nuts, but he's... um, I, I really, that, so I think I'd match well with him. <laughs> I really like what he's doing with the YouTube channel and like the transparency. And he's got, a, I don't know if you're on his Discord. Are you in his Discord? No, he only set that up recently enough, did he? Yeah, but like if you ask him a question, he'll answer you. It's class, like, and you can just, like, every other evening or something, I'll just go on and see, like, because anyone asking any interesting questions. Oh, or I'll, I'll install that questions. once I hop off here. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's good when he, he literally answers everyone. So it's fair play to him. Uh, you can ask him anything you want. And next question Most important attribute for triathlon? physical oh, mentality mentality yeah. like every day of the week like there's so many people out there who have the physical capacity to do like performing triathlon but like i remember reading an article a quick fire question and going on here but yeah one of the former american runners i can't remember her name but she was like a collegiate like ncaa champ and she just found she was getting a little bit fed up or running and she used to swim in high school so she was like oh I'll go do triathlon and I read her blog after like 12 months and it was just her saying she quit triathlon she was I couldn't do it it was way too much like how does everybody just keep training there's no time to sit down you're just go 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 you can yeah. go to the pool get in your bike or running and yeah so you got to be mentally able to cope with all the crap <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be probably fair to say like triathletes train I don't know if there'd be any sports like train as much as triathletes because how much can you do like like if you're a runner you cannot run six or seven hours a day unless you're killing journey but like <laughs> like track runners yeah. and like 1500 meter 3k 5k runners like there's only so much running you can do in a day yeah um, and there's only like you you break down when you're doing single sports to a certain extent like yeah. actually 
I know um, Stephen Scullion's another person who's very transparent with all of his stuff. And mm-hmm. he put up a podcast over lockdown and he was like, I think it was when he was doing a bit of Zwift and he was just saying how he was training so much and he was doing everything. And and then at the end of it, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I think I did 11 and a half hours this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, <laughs> but if you do 11 and a half hours running at his level, you're probably getting like, I don't know, well over 100K anyway. I was yeah, he was like 140k, and then so it does a lot. It does a lot of running, but like that's what you even see like like amateur runners. You see they do like eight or nine hours, and they're getting 100k weeks. And you're like I do more than that, and <laughs> I only get like <laughs> this amount. But it's because it's like the whole amalgamation of swim, bike, and run. You can definitely do a lot more, but um, yeah, we de- they definitely says the I don't know if you heard that podcast the triathlon marker one where joe skipper and tom were saying they're like the triathletes are like the sas of endurance sports like <laughs> they're just like all-rounders um favorite sport outside of triathlon yeah i'm still i'm i've been going down the rabbit hole of free diving uh i don't know a whole lot about it so i can't like i've never done it but i've been yeah. doing so much breath work and I actually only saw recently the the Irish record for holding your breath is like just under six minutes. Uh, really, I'd love to try to give that a crack. But <laughs> have you? We, I, I had um, Garrod McDade on the episode. Um, uh, his episode's not out yet. I just recorded earlier this week, but he's a pro surfer from Sligo. Have you ever heard of him? No, no. But he was I, um, I, he surfs like Mullet those big 40, 50 foot waves and stuff. But um, I was saying to him like. What you obviously have to have like some breath holding techniques or training. He says, I done uh, like a free diving course when he was in Indonesia and like just the mechanisms and things they teach you how to like just relax. And I think he said they done four and a half minutes holding his breath. Yeah, but uh, have you ever tried holding your breath? What's your record? Uh, like I, I've been trying to do more of it since I, I crashed, but uh, anytime I expanded my chest, my collarbone started clicking and cracking on me. So, uh, I haven't done it in a while, but I did a session a few weeks ago of like, hold your breath for two minutes, breathe for one, hold for three, breathe for one, hold for four. So, do you like held it for four? Yeah, but yeah. I, I reckon I'd probably go five now. But yeah. when you put your face in water, your heart rate slows down, so yeah, you can hold your breath longer. So it's I'm, easier. Yeah, I think it's easier yeah. when you're facing water because you can like obviously you can't breathe in the water, but when you're like just doing something in the house you're like tempted they're like <laughs> take a breath i think my the longest i've ever done was like 340 but as you say if you just practice i think you get better i just went in like a one half like sort of <laughs> tangent for about two weeks just practice breathing see a long home breath and then i uh, haven't done it in ages but it's interesting like you get you get a mad feeling when you like hold your breath out long you sort of like, oh, it's wacky it's so like it's it's the weirdest natural high like it's the only thing yeah. i found replicable of like runner's high you know yeah. you just you're on the couch kind of half woozy like <laughs> yeah you get like when you get past that stage like you know convulsions and then you're like it's, it gets a bit scary like how am i like okay again <laughs> you're just lying there you, <laughs> yeah. don't, you don't feel like you need to breathe you're like this is a bit scary but um now you get a good buzz off it um music or no music on training uh i tend to opt i go through phases there's if i find i my brain is full of clutter 
I go no music. And if I find I'm pure chilled out, uh, I'll go music or podcasts or audiobooks. What do you listen? What music are you listen to on those sessions? Uh, I, I alternate between rap and like country. <laughs> that's so, a, that's a good, yeah. a good uh, mix. It's good quite a contradiction. <laughs> um, the you sort of mentioned this a bit earlier, so and I, I knew it was one of the questions come up. But if you could only so I don't need to word this right. If you could, this is a one or the other question. You could have sleep, perfect sleep, ten hours a night, and forty minute or one hour nap in the day, perfect, uninterrupted, forever. Or, but if you choose that, you get no like foam rolling, you get no stretching, you get no massage, you get none of that sleep compression. You get sleep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think so. That's definitely uh, the main yeah, thing, as you, as you said. Yeah, I, you can't underrate sleep. It's, yeah. there's, it just works. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, um, something I'll try it more of. But when you have two young children, you don't get a lot of sleep. So, um, I'm at the stage. I can where sympathize, like, but <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if you get five hours or six hours or seven hours or eight hours you just i'm at the server like it doesn't matter i just have to get up and go tra- training because it's like <laughs> the, the only just... chance to get that day or that week anyway so um i'll try and battle through for now and hopefully get rid of the snooze button uh i have like i'm terrible at setting alarms i do like four alarms maybe i'm like uh oh, if i have to get up at sure six, it's like, can knock you out <laughs> it's like no no i will i woke um one of the babies because too many alarms went off the other day and she's like stop just get up when your first alarm goes <laughs> it's like if i have to go up at six i set like a seven minute day and then like a three minute day and then a six and then a wee Aww. safety one for like two or three minutes past but i need to try and get up it's hard to get up when you're already up three or four times as, as joe skipper would say just toughen up pal <laughs> uh, that's it and then emma joe's gonna listen to this and be like what are you on about? You sleep all night. <laughs> but I, I could have swore I was up like four or five times, but it's never as bad as um definitely not as much up as she is. But <laughs> so hopefully improve the sleep a bit more. But I think last question. Yeah. If you had one piece of advice for a young aspiring professional athlete, what would it be? Like I'll I'll reference briefly back to the things I said about getting a good community and the groundedness thing. But the other thing I think I really screwed up as a junior was setting realistic goals. Like you're not just going to wake up one day and be a world champ or know how to train like a world champ. And Mm -hmm. like, it's not just going to click. Like I've been doing this 10 years and I'm still, I feel like a novice half the time. Like Eklund has taught me so much in the last two weeks. So yeah setting genuinely realistic goals but all like don't set the bar too low at the same time it's a very hard thing to get right but yeah yeah something that excites you that you know you can pull out of the bag as long as you you work your ass off that's kind mm-hmm. of the, the catch to it but that'd had, be something um, i've steve true on on the show as well i'm not sure if you know him um no. he's you he would know his voice he done all like the triathlon commentary for 
WTS for I years. Did, I started I that one. <laughs> and he done the Olympics and stuff, but um, he's a coach as well and competed and whatever. But that was his advice as well, like for juniors, young athletes, like have a specific goal. Like I want to swim nine minutes, then work out the time you do per hundred, go and train that way. Like get, don't just say like unrealistic, like I want to be an ATU athlete. You have to work out what it takes and get there. So I thought that was pretty good. Like just yeah. be really focused on the real realistic side of things. Yeah. And I, I, like, if you have a realistic goal, again, back to that, know your why thing from Connecticut, but like, if you have a goal on paper, I found for me anyway, it, it negates all the noise. Like, you know, like I know restrictions are lifting back home there now and yeah, COVID's I'm sure gone. everybody's out in the sesh somewhere, but like, COVID's if you gone know, on my fight. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but yeah, like if you've a, you want to run a, I don't know, a nine minute three K say that was one of my goals when I was younger. And like, I just knew, right. That's 72 seconds a lap, 36 seconds of 200. And it was almost like a, you know, if something came along that was like, maybe not help sport or keep me sane. Like if something stupid came along, I could just mm -hmm. say, no, I want to run 36 seconds for a 200 for 15 of them. Like yeah. I, it keeps you orientated on what you're trying to do as well. So yeah. yeah, if you if you pick it right, it sets you up a lot better than if you don't have a goal. Hundred percent, good advice. Well, Darren, thanks a million for coming on and coming back on. I mean, <laughs> kind enough to give us another hour of your time and uh, some great insight on the the life of someone in your position who is knocking the door of being full-time and the struggles and thanks for being honest and open about that so it's been a really good chat and hopefully people take a lot of value and the training tips and stuff in there too were great so thanks a million darren yeah. appreciate thanks it for having me back on we, well i wish you all the best for the upcoming season hopefully see you top of the, those podiums uh, yeah, i'll see you somewhere along the way too Good yeah space. definitely <laughs> cheers darren thank you So, show's over. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Darren. If you did enjoy the show, it would mean a lot if you left a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Um, just take 10 or 15 seconds, write a quick review, what you thought of the show, and that helps other people find the show when shows up on the platform. So, I'd appreciate that. Um, we'll be back next week with another great episode. Um, a slightly different athlete than we're used to someone we haven't a sport we haven't had on the show before so tune in for that i'm sure you'll enjoy it Cheers.